Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you're doing well. We just got back from a very busy trip to Washington, D.C. to memorialize my husband. So that was very cool for the kids and just get back into the swing of things. So I have a really good interview lined up for you for this episode. I interviewed Stacy Quick, who is a therapist with no CD and is also a mom to three kids. One is an, an adult or always still a mom of three kids with anxiety and OCD. We both talk about our struggles, both having disorders, me having generalized anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder, and her having OCD, and then raising kids with similar issues. And that brings up an array of different struggles that I know I've talked about a lot with parents in the AT parenting community as far as how to parent a child with anxiety or OCD and also deal with your own mental health struggles. So how do you handle it when you're hitting the wall or you're having a struggle and you have to also help your kids. How much do you tell your kids about your own struggles? How much guilt or shame or worry do you carry about your own child's struggles because of your struggles? So, so many layers and things that can be brought up because of our own diagnoses. And I really enjoyed talking to Stacy. I thought she was really down to earth. She had a lot of good input to share with you guys. And I think you're going to find it really valuable. So before I get started though, I do want to thank NoCD because they're actually sponsoring this episode as well. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule your free 15 minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com, treatmyocd.com. And I was telling Stacy. Like she would, I would have loved to have her on no matter what. I mean, it's just a bonus that she happens to be an OCD therapist, but she had a lot of raw, valid, insightful things to share as a parent. And I think sometimes I think it's even more helpful for you guys to hear me and other clinicians who are quote unquote professional talk about our own mental health struggles and our own struggles with our kids so that you can realize, wow. I mean, I'm not alone. And even these people who, you know, have the textbook background and education and expertise, they hit bumps and they struggle too because they're human. And I think that could be a real normalizing thing for parents to hear is that, yeah, this is hard. And it's hard not because you're failing. It's hard because it's hard. It's just a hard thing to deal with. And we're all in it together. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. And so without further ado, here's my interview with Stacy. Well, I want to welcome Stacy to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've actually gotten a lot of requests to talk to a parent who has struggles with their own OCD or anxiety issues and then how that impacts raising your kids. Because it does. We all have issues, but when you have similar issues to your kids or similar disorders to your kids, it's sometimes doubly hard and sometimes it's actually helpful. So I'm glad to have you on so that we can both dive into this. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. I think it's something that isn't talked about a whole lot, although we know that, you know, OCD often does run in families and anxiety. And so it makes sense that, you know, um, a family might have more than one person with it in it. And yeah, I, I tend to lean on the more helpful side just because I think it helped me to recognize really early on what my kids were experiencing. Yeah, I do think it's helpful too. And so I thought you can speak from the OCD perspective, having OCD, and we'll get into that in a minute as far as what that is and how that impacts you. And then I will handle the anxiety side, having an anxiety disorder. And so we're kind of covering both anxiety and OCD. But the cool thing too about you is that you're an OCD therapist. and so. You have this clinical expertise and knowledge as well. So can you share with everyone a little bit about yourself professionally, and then we'll get into um, some of your mental health issues. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I've been working for NoCD now as a therapist for a while, specializing in ERP or exposure response and prevention therapy. I really, prior to that, I had worked in the mental health field for about 15 years or so, specializing in trauma and OCD. And where I live is very rural. And so there really hasn't been much treatment for OCD. And so it was very high need. And then I stumbled across this, this amazing company that that's all they do. And I felt so passionately about it. Having it been such a big part of my life, it's the whole reason I went to, to school for this. And so the idea of working with people who have OCD was just very appealing. And, and that's really how I wanted to make a difference. And so, yeah, um, no CD is kind of groundbreaking in that way. You know, we have our free app that people can download. Uh, it's sort of like a social media app, um, treatmyocd.com. And um, yeah, just really trying to help people get care earlier than what they, they would have um, in the past which I'll get into a little bit with my own story of how long I had to go without treatment. But yeah. And I like that about no CD. I'm, and I don't know if they're doing this on purpose or not, because I'm sure it's hard to find clinicians anyway, but I have noticed that a lot of the clinicians have their own experience with OCD, which I think makes it more powerful. I was just talking to a mom yesterday. I'm doing interviews for a kid's course that I'm going to be doing. And so I'm interviewing kids and teens to like weave their, their own stories in there. And I was talking to a mom who you know, hasn't seen anybody and they live in like a rural area of Canada and they finally found an OCD therapist and, and that therapist uh, also has OCD and has kids with OCD. And I think that's just so much, it's helpful, you know, when you have someone who really gets it on a personal and professional level. I think so too. I think that's the really neat thing about this platform is that they really encourage you to share your story and be open and honest. And, and, you know, not every single therapist there has it, but typically what I have found is there's something that draws them to it, right? right? Whether it's a loved one or themselves who has it, but yeah, that's one of the really cool things. And that's a lot of feedback I've personally gotten from members that I work with has been that that is a really helpful component. Yeah. And to piggyback on that and move into the parenting role, I feel like that's also, I like that you see it as a strength and not necessarily a weakness because it's similar as parents when we have our own issues and we get help for our own issues and we can recognize our own issues, then we are able to, to better spot our kids' anxiety and OCD. I mean, they popped out of my womb and I was like, oh, there's another one from the get-go. And also like how to approach it because you're killing two birds with one stone. You're like, you, you're working on yourself and you know what treatments are helpful, hopefully, or you can find what will help or you're getting help for your child. And then you're like, oh my gosh. And this actually happens a lot in my community, you know, is they'll say, oh my gosh, like I'm doing these things for my child. And my anxiety or OCD is getting better because they're, they're learning approaches as well. So let's dive into your story. If you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about what your journey has been like. Sure. Yeah. I, um, I grew up in the 80s, and so nowhere near what is known about OCD was known about it back then. We didn't have, you know, the online things that we have today, which, oh my goodness, would have been a lifesaver for me. Right. Um, so growing up, I was just kind of this shy, timid, quirky kid. We knew something was wrong. Um, I hate to say it like that, but it's true. Like we just knew, but we didn't know what. And I don't know if it was my family or just the time period, but we just didn't get help for things like that. And, and I learned fairly quickly that it was just something I, I had to deal with. So, I mean, my first memories are probably around five or six years old. And I distinctly remember thinking about thinking and thinking, do other kids think like me? And I started with a lot of confessing to my mom growing up, she was kind of my go-to. And so I would just confess every single thought I had to her, like that I thought was bad. And my poor mom must've thought, dear goodness, what have I gotten into? Because I was so, I was a hot little mess, um, but she was wonderful with it. And she did what we teach people not to do though. Um, but she would always give me reassurance and she would always say, you know, that's, of course you wouldn't do anything like that. And, you know, she, she would call them daymares, which I kind of like. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like she, how she explained it to me and my little kid brain was, you know, you're basically having nightmares while you're awake. And that's, 
so, so it helped me in, in regards to separate, I think sort of who I was from that a little bit. Yeah. Um, because the way that she described it was like, these aren't things you really want to do. So fast forward, like till, so this went on, I went through many different stages. It would take forever to talk about them all, (laughs) but that one, one compulsion really remained constant where I would talk to my mom and then I would feel better. Sometimes I would hold out for weeks, like, um, cause I just didn't want to, it was so embarrassing, but ultimately almost always I ended up telling her to get that reassurance. But then when I was 15, she was watching uh, a show like a, like a 2020 dateline kind of show. And it spotlighted a kid who, who had very severe OCD and it talked all about OCD and this, and my mom actually started yelling for me because I was in my bedroom and I came out and long behold, she's like, this is you. And I watched it and I'm like, oh my gosh, it is. And then, you know, we went to a couple different psychiatrists, therapists, honestly, not very helpful other than, you know, yeah, they confirmed that's what you have. Just many, many years of sort of back and forth being put on medications, things like that, that didn't work out at that time until my twenties. I had gotten married young. I I got married at 17, had my first baby at 18. And really after that is when my symptoms just kind of went through the roof and, and, Thankfully, I found a therapist who didn't specialize in ERP, but who knew about it and who had a contact who knew who was well trained in it. And so that was lucky. I know, I know. Especially at that young age, still. Yeah, yeah. So I was probably twenty-two ish when I finally got treatment that was that was beneficial. So, and it really did change my life. Um, I was in it for a long time. I'm not going to lie. And and I think part of that was because, like I said, they they didn't do just ERP. We were doing a lot of other things, but the ERP was the most most helpful alongside. I'm very open. You know, I take medication as well. I'd probably be a lifer and uh, it's okay with me. It's not for everybody, but for me, that's where I'm at. And, and, you know, I believe in my case, it is very genetic and, and there are parts of my brain that just don't want to work right. And so that's, that's kind of where I landed. Yeah. And we're in the same boat, you know, it's just, our family is genetically written too. And so, you know, my kids are on medication as well and, you know, who knows, but yeah. So I'm glad you, you actually have a, almost a, if I could say quote unquote, better story than some people, you know, that you were able to stumble one that your mom almost intuitively and naturally was able to separate the OCD thoughts for you, which is very cool because I think so many kids wind up having the shame and guilt because it's not separated for them because parents don't know to do that. And then that the way that you kind of stumbled into finding someone who at least knew OCD and knew effective treatments, that's pretty cool. So how many kids do you have? Three. Okay. My oldest is an adult now. And then I have two that are still younger. How old are your two? My middle one is 16 and then my littlest is 12. Okay. So 16 and 12. And I have a 10, 12 and 18 just for people who don't listen to me enough. Cause I talk about my kids all the time. <laughs> so how, how many of your kids have anxiety or OCD? All of them. Well, two have been diagnosed with OCD and the other one with really severe anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Mine as well. My oldest she had like, she's been diagnosed with anxiety. There's a little bit of OCD that she would deny. <laughs> I try to point it out to her. Certainly not probably. I would think like DSM criteria level, you know, I mean, she checks labels and she does a lot of avoiding that I think go above anxiety, but my other two definitely. So at my house, we're dealing with like sensory motor OCD and some new themes that are popping up and ARFID. And my son has pans just to We'll just throw everything on the table and we'll discuss it all. What about your kids? What what are some of the struggles that you're dealing with? Yeah. So my oldest one is now 25 and she actually, what's really neat about her story is that she has, it's almost been in remission for a long time. And she really struggled when she was quite young, like six, seven, eight, with sort of these, these thoughts about harm and things like that. But I recognized it right away. You know, we got her treatment. It still creeps up here and there. 
she's actually getting ready to have a baby. And so silently I'm preparing for a spike in symptoms because I know that that's very common. And then my middle is the one that has the most severe and and he's the one that is the most like me in terms of personality. At least that's kind of how I always explain it, but he's super sensitive and very, um, very, everybody's mad at him all the time, constant checking in with us. Um, you know, are you guys mad? Your tone sounded a little off. Are you, you know, did I do something wrong? And just this constant, or if he thinks that he's done something wrong, he wants to tell you. I kind of always tell everybody, you know, I'm really not worried about him doing anything wrong because he will tell me. Like, right. I'm not- I know. There's a silver lining for like moral yeah. OCD. Yeah. But he has struggled a lot with school um, and with peers because even peers have picked up on, you know, you're kind of always asking us these questions, right? And what they're really saying is, you always need reassurance, knock it off. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily see it as that, even though, you know, we've done a lot of work on it. And it's just so part of, I hate to say, but part of who he is in a sense that he really, really gets stuck. So that's still a struggle to this day. I mean, I can think of a million episodes in the last week where that has come up. And, you know, I try to use the ERP skills. And and usually that, I mean, we joke about it that that I'll say, you know, you got to sit with it, you got to sit with it. You know, I don't know, maybe we are mad, maybe we're not. Mm-hmm. He does not like it at all. And then I noticed my oldest daughter, the, the adult, will sometimes use that against him. So that's, she'll be like, anytime he asks anything, she's like, just sit in the uncertainty. And I'm like, oh, goodness. <laughs> it's rough when they're doing it to each other. It is, it is. So that causes a lot of tension. And then, and my youngest is very, just an anxious girl, but she holds it all in. She just doesn't talk much about it, even though she knows like, that's what I do for a living. I've tried every technique to get her to open up. So truthfully, I, I she could have some underlying OCD and I just don't know. But at this point, it seems pretty severe anxiety. Well, and it's good for parents to hear that both of us as, you know, mental health professionals, that we even struggle with how to help our kids or how to help them open up. Because I'm, I was thinking about, the different questions that I get from the AT parenting community about them having anxiety or OCD or having an anxiety or OCD disorder, and then also parenting. And the first one that I get is it's my fault. You know, I feel really bad because I did this to my kids. So I want to kind of go through them because I'm, I'm mentally thinking of all the things that are related to a parent struggling with their own stuff. So what would you say to that, to a parent who says, this is my fault. Yeah, no, that is a great question. And I mean, if if I'm being fully honest, they're not alone. I thought that many times. I mean, just because I know the correct answer to it, which is no, you're not, you know, I still think it and I still catch myself feeling guilty about it. And so I think that's, that's kind of part OCD and part just being a parent, right? But the truth is, you know, we know that that this can be very genetic. And so, yes, in that your genes probably helped contribute to that, but you can't control that. You know, I, I kind of, I joke with my kids and my husband, and I say, I'm sorry that you've got the genetic cesspool because <laughs> um, I do feel bad about it. But at the same time, I also recognize that you know, nobody would wish that on their kids and nobody who, who loves their children would, would want that. And, and if anything, you're more prepared if you've already had that to help them. And so I'm a religious person. And so one of the takeaways I have is that, you know, I truly believe God gives you the kids that, that he knows you can raise. And so for me, that's kind of how I look at it is these are the kids that, that he knew I would be good with, if that makes sense. It does. Um, And it's, I mean, it's something that if you can turn and reframe your thinking, you know, that you can be the perfect parent to raise these kids because you can empathize on a level that a parent who doesn't have this would never be able to do, even if they wanted to, there's, there's a difference between reading these things and experiencing these things. And so 
Yeah. You know, for some reason, I never had that guilt that I caused this in my kids. I mean, I hear it a lot and it's good that you're speaking of that because I never thought about this before, but it could also have to do with your OCD theme, right? If you have this burden of responsibility, yes. you know, that makes a lot more sense. I didn't have that. Yeah. I had general anxiety disorder and social anxiety disorder. And so when my kids have OCD themes that I know, I'm like, that is not me. Like, I don't even know what that is. If I was <laughs> a clinician, I would not even, I would completely have missed it. In fact, I've missed them anyway. You know, my son was, you know, having a problem reading and rereading and rereading. And I even went to the counselor and was like, I think he needs to be touched. She was calling me to say he's gifted and he should be tested for gifted. And I said, funny, you're on my to-do list to call because I think he might be like having a processing issue. And she was like, this was so embarrassing. She was like, do you think it could be OCD? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and she doesn't know anything about OCD. So I was like, well, maybe, but I don't think so. And it did turn, I like sat down with him and it was OCD. But my whole point is those things don't make me feel guilty because I don't have OCD, but it's just genetic on both sides. You know, it's on my family. It's in my family tree. It's I think on my husband's family tree on some level. But I think then you have the burden. It's just genetic. And we can give our kids asthma, diabetes. You don't see people really necessarily beating themselves up about, oh, my child has allergies like me or asthma like me. It is literally the same thing. I agree. Yes. It's just what I like your perspective, right? Like you're given this. What do you do with it? Yeah. And I I definitely do have the over responsibility. So I'm sure that's why a big part of why I latched on to that. And and it doesn't help that my husband is very, when I met him, he's the most unanxious person I've ever known in my life. He's just so chill. It's almost annoying. (laughs) And so for him to have anxious kids, he was beside, he didn't know what to do. And so sometimes I'm like, thank God they have me because he would, he just did not know. He, he genuinely doesn't think like that and doesn't, he's not wired to, And so, so in that regards, you know, how nice that would be. I think I have a little jealousy if you haven't noticed, but, um, but the truth is, you know, everybody has their own, their own battles. So I'm sure he has his, but, but so it's good that I was able to pick up on that, but it's also funny that you said that about your story about the school counselor pointing out the, the OCD, because recent, very recently I had my youngest to a therapist and you know, went through all this stuff and she's kind of like, you know, do you think it's OCD? And I said, I said, well, I kind of specialize in it. I said, I think I would know. I said, I don't think so. I said, but she's a hard cookie to crack. Like, I don't know. Um, so I find that interesting. She, she didn't, we didn't get very far with that. And, and I think this might relate to some of your viewers as well. And, and that is that they actually kind of have discharged her and said, you know, we don't really think anything's wrong. And and it's kind of, it's kind of frustrating as a parent because you know, something's brewing, but, and, and, you know, and then from the therapist side though, you know, you can't make somebody talk about things and you can't make them do anything. And so it's just this interesting dynamic that I find with that. It is tricky. Cause I mean, we don't control our kids' personalities or how open they are. I know my 10 year old is, you know, she has like a, a, like a therapist face that she puts on, you know, and um, yeah. it's so annoying because I know that's not really her. I know she's not talking about the real issues and yep. it kind of speaks on like the parental role, you know, that really, no matter what, no matter what kind of good clinical support you have, you have to kind of be there 24 seven for those moments when they're willing to open up or they, you know, eventually crack and give you a glimpse behind the door. It's funny. I'm going to just go back what you said about your husband too, because my husband was like that as well. I mean, he was a federal agent. He was like super calm, you know, could handle anything. I mean, unfortunately, genetically it's in his tree. Cause he'd always be like, look what you've done to our kids. Like jokingly <laughs> yes, yes. Kid, guy. I don't know why I said kid, but, and I would be like, um, look at your genetic tree. <laughs> you know, it comes from both sides. You'd be thankful. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I think like if my kids had him and, and I was a him part two, that would not have been good because yes, he was great at calming. He was my rock. So he was good at calming my anxiety. And then therefore I was able to be more of a calming factor. He like, just his very presence was 
calming, it calmed the entire family because most of the time he was just this, he was this rock. He was a rock wherever he went, but he wasn't good at empathizing with the kids. He'd get frustrated if they were anxious. He would completely have missed everything. I mean, the OCD, forget about, they would never have been diagnosed with OCD. It would have been missed. And that wouldn't have been his fault. Like it is just my kids OCD. Like most kids OCD doesn't present the way that society sees OCD. And so they wouldn't have thought that reading and rereading was OCD. They wouldn't have thought that needing to pee over and over again, 50 times an hour was OCD. They would have missed all those things or chewing their food to the point where they have to spit it out. All of that would have been missed. And so I think that is the benefit of us knowing. That's huge. What you just said about the, the media and stuff too, because I think that's the other piece of it is that people hopefully are just now starting to realize this a little more with all the education and everything that's out there, like, like these types of podcasts, but, but for years and years, if you weren't a clean freak, so to speak, or somebody who was super organized, you didn't have OCD. And I still hear it to this day. Like even today I ran an errand and I ran into somebody and she's like, well, what are you doing today? And, or like, what's your job now? And I told her and she's like, oh, you know, my kids say I'm OCD. And she laughed and she said, I'm really organized and stuff. And I'm like, oh, so you know, I just want to be like, there's so much more. But yeah, I, so I think that's a huge part. People don't recognize it in kids. I don't think a single teacher of mine ever brought it up. And I certainly was doing lots of quirky things. So Yeah. So when you have your own experiences, you have that, that maternal or paternal gut to know and spot it in your kids. And not that you're pathologizing your kids, like maybe your partner or other family members might say, you know, like you have anxiety or OCD. So of course you're projecting that onto your kids, but trust your gut and know that you have that paternal or maternal gut instinct to know that what you're seeing is, is the disorder. So I want to move into another question that I get which is how do you help your kids when you're having a hard time with your own mental health issues? Yeah, that's actually a really good question too. Um, I I wish I had the absolute perfect answer for you. I'm glad Uh, you don't. (laughs) I I don't. I, I, I will be very honest. I, especially when I was younger, especially when my oldest was young, I struggled a lot with OCD. I'm happy to say that after years of therapy and medication, I am mostly in recovery. I I live a very happy, healthy life for the most part. Not to say it's gone, because for me, it's, it's not. It's there, but it's very controllable. But those early years, unfortunately, for my oldest daughter, were, were hard because I, I was very much, when you have OCD and probably, I would imagine, any mental illness, it can consume so much energy. And so one of the things that happened for me was I was exhausted all the time because I was constantly fighting with my own, my own mind, right? My own thoughts that nobody knew about and nobody could see because I didn't tell a soul about these things um, when I became an adult just because of the stigma and and still like, yeah, I, I kind of knew it was OCD, but I didn't really think my particular stuff, I, I, there was always this, what if, what if this isn't right. Or what if these people like lock me up or put me away? Right. That was always terrifying. So I probably often seemed very self-absorbed. You know, I was in internal a lot. I think I was, I'd like to think I was a really good mom, but if I'm just going to lay it all out there, I let that child get away with so much because I was exhausted. And so She didn't, I I always, you know, people joke and say that the baby gets it easy because by the time, you know, you get to them, you're tired and all that. But for me, it's the opposite because I feel like I really became the parent that I wanted to be with the other two because my symptoms were under control, if if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can experience, you know, um, relate to that, that the first child probably for some was the hardest because it can bring up a lot of your mental health issues because now you're, well, first of all, the hormones. So there's that physiological aspect of delivering a baby and going through those hormonal shifts. I know for me, my anxiety went off the chart after my first baby. 
And I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't want to leave the house. I was so overwhelmed with anxiety. I didn't have postpartum depression. I had postpartum anxiety and it was debilitating. And so not knowing that, I think that can also catch you off guard. And then just parenting in general can be triggering for some parents, depending on their theme. And I know for me, like my social anxiety went out of control because now I have to deal with not only my own anxiety, but now it's like, how does my child represent and how does she represent me? And then she was an out of control little kid. You know, she had sensory processing disorder and she was like a ping pong ball. She was just bouncing all over the place. And my social anxiety could not handle it. I could not manage her. So I think it, parenting can trigger different themes as well, like harm OCD, like I don't want to harm my baby or like I don't want to be locked up. And that's, that's exhausting. Yeah, no. And I will say, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I've had almost everything out there imaginable, which, you know, I always kind of, I always go back to though, underlying all of it is doubt and uncertainty. You know, it doesn't matter what it latches onto. It is always about doubting yourself, doubting who you are and that what if, right? That chance, that uncertainty, right? And, and in some ways, I know for me, when my life feels really out of control is when it seems to come up. Right. And so that's always interesting. Is it a way that I'm trying to control? I don't know, you know, certainly not on purpose, but I I guess I say all that to say that, you know, yeah, I I doubted everything and, and having a baby is a stressful thing. And I was 18. Um, so I was really young and, um, yeah, I remember (laughs) this one's kind of a funny one now, but she was born right around Christmas time. Um, and so we were staying at my in-laws and my mother-in-law loved poinsettias. And so she had them all over the house. And so I remember I had heard that poinsettias are poisonous. And so I became just convinced that poinsettia dust was on everything. And so it was just, it was a mess because I, I could not control this poinsettia dust. And I remember her bottles and everything just had to be sanitized perfectly and it would take hours and hours and I was exhausted. And, you know, all of this while people were around and could see, but they, they made it like it was a joke, you know, like everybody thought it was funny or Stacy's scared of poinsettias. And I kind of think this is funny now, but in the moment, not so much, but they would gift wrap everything with poinsettias and they just thought it was weird. They just thought it was so harsh. I know, right? It's good ERP though. I, right, just, it I didn't know it at the time, but but even to this day, people will bring that up. And, and and there were so many other things. I mean, I could go on and on, but you know, they nicknamed me Duck because to this day, that's my nickname because I lived in the sink. And when I would wash anything, I was sopping wet. Oh. Just because it had to be, it could take forever. And mm-hmm. and what was most important is that in my mind, it felt safe. And so, yeah, I mean, of course, if you're a parent and you're you're dealing with your own stuff, whether it's anxiety, OCD, or anything, I think naturally, just like if it was a physical, just like if I suffered from any type of physical illness, you know, there, it impacts you. It impacts how you interact with people. So, and our kids, unfortunately, but, but I didn't choose it, you know? And so I think that's, something parents should remind themselves of is you didn't choose this, you know? I think it's a good thing to highlight that self-compassion is really part of a very important part of this journey. And you didn't choose to have your own mental health issues and you didn't choose to have children who have these mental health issues. Although sometimes I think I doubt that, you know, for a while I would think, am I seeing this in my kids because I have it or because I, I help it, you know, like it's my world. And it was nice to have a husband who was like, so removed from it and so calm to say, am I making this up? Or do you see something that seems a little off too? And he'd be like, no, that is definitely not okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, can that really, definitely, yeah. I don't know what that is. That's your world, but that <laughs> is something. Yes. Typical. And it would help me, you know, feel like I'm not trying to pathologize my kids or see something that's not there. Cause I mean, we worry about that. Yeah, I did with my young uh, or my now oldest. I did have that thought um, initially because she was so young. And and I don't remember if, you know, during that time, I actually wasn't doing what I'm doing now. I had been going to school for that when she was younger because that was my whole 
it's interesting because I kind of did all of that a little bit later. And so, and because of the life that I was living, I, I wanted to go into mental health, but I do remember that with her, um, me thinking it was my fault because I will, I'll just tell you, she, she developed this very scary theme about serial killers <laughs> of all things. Like she just became obsessed with like serial killers at six years old. And I, I don't watch scary movies at all. My husband doesn't. I just, they bother me, so I don't watch them. So it wasn't like I had watched anything other than perhaps the news. I know at the time, I also experienced a lot of fears around kidnapping, even though I'm in this rural little, little town, it's always been like a fear. And so there was part of me that said, oh, she's developed this because I don't let them play outside alone because I was very cautious and that kind of thing. But but, you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, as years went on, she did end up having it. So I wasn't wrong. But I think that's normal to kind of question that, especially if your themes are similar to that of your kids. Right. And, you know, I guess along the lines of living with uncertainty, you know, is it possible my behavior somehow impacted the way in which it showed? And it, it's possible, but I don't think that it I think if you're going to get OCD, you're going to get it. It's just a matter of the environment and whether or not it's going to bring that out and in what ways. Yeah, that's very well said. Because I do feel like our kids can get similar themes because of maybe our behavior or because of our own anxiety. But if they're going to get the disorder, they're going to get the disorder. It will just show up in a way that, you know, for me, I've seen a lot of parents who've had their own separation anxiety. Their kids have separation anxiety. I had a huge choking theme. And so I'm cutting up their hot dogs and like, you know, the right way, yeah. so they, you know, yeah. and grapes had to be sliced, you know, and I, their steak. I mean, even now I'm like, stop cutting their steak. They're 10, 12 and 18, but <laughs> you know, only one developed a choking thing. The other two didn't, you know, and so they also come with their own chemistry and their own themes that they're going to glum onto. I'm um, social anxiety. I was like, you can't go out in those pants. You can't go out with those socks. You need to brush your hair, you know, and over the top, way, way beyond, or stop saying that. Like I micromanage everything they did in public. And I still do to some extent, although, and I want to get into this as our last question in a second, as far as how open are we with our own kids with our own issues, but that doesn't impact all of my kids. They will wind up calling me on my stuff. Uh, I had this thing when we, we went on a cruise and, you know, you have these like big fancy dinners, you know, which I, my social anxiety hated. You've got this like crystal, like huge cups for these little kids filled with water. And they would like always be like right by their elbows. And so I've noticed one of my social anxieties, definitely probably a compulsion is I would just be like, move your cup, move your cup, your cup's going to fall, move, you know, like some, I'm always managing their cups. And so eventually my kids were like, they'd put it on the edge on purpose and they'd say, mom, you need to just sit with your discomfort. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Little ERP therapist. I know. And I really didn't, to be honest, I really didn't love it. Like it was very hard for me. And many times they would spill. And so it would be like a full-fledged exposure because my worst fears would actually yeah. happen. And I would argue with them as like, a, like, I'm the child and they're the therapist. I'd be like, but it actually does happen. Like you actually do spill. <laughs> Yeah, like, what happens when it does come true? Right. What are you going to do with that? So how open are you with your kids and your adult child about your own struggles? And are you open at different levels depending on their age or how do you handle that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good question. And I think it, it depends on so many different factors. I personally have not been open in the past much with the kids other than they know I have OCD. They know I take medicine. They know that, that I struggle with some things, but like, <laughs> oddly enough, like most people, they probably don't know all the ins and outs of OCD. It wasn't until about a year ago, believe it or not. So I'm, I'm 42. So for 36, 37 years, I haven't really told many people. My mom was one who I told. Even my husband doesn't didn't really know much about my actual fears. But about a year ago, my oldest came to me with some very things she was dealing with. And it it occurred to me, honestly, that that they didn't fully know maybe all of what OCD was. And and 
I don't know what it was, but it was kind of eye-opening because yeah, you do this for a living and it's been such a big part of your life. And still what I realized for myself was I still have shame about it. I still have guilt. That's why I haven't shared it. Right. Because I hadn't even really shared even a basic outline. Right. Like I don't, I don't think it would even be necessary for me to share details, but I hadn't even really been, I just kind of let them believe it was mom likes things clean and is a safety freak. Right. But so anyways, I, I sat with my 24 year old and we talked and we, I shared with her some of my most personal things. And honestly, I think it did us both a lot of good. And I found it very helpful. I think she was in a place where she's old enough to understand and she was experiencing things and hopefully it helped her to lessen some of the shame she had been holding on to. But at the same time, it really helped me because like I said, I hadn't really shared that. So I don't know if that answers the question. I think it depends. You know, I think my middle child who struggles the most with it, I think he probably knows a little more about it just because we we talk more about that stuff, but not really details just because I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm not you know, and if it, if there comes a time when I think it would be really helpful for that, then I will. But yeah, yeah, I think I could even do a better job at at maybe letting them know certain things. Well, and you bring up shame, and I think that's part of it. So your answer is just a very real answer that it's hard to share because of maybe the layer of shame and guilt or stigma that that we carry as parents. And so, Yeah, I know in my house, just because of what I do as well, and I'm like very vocal about it on my podcast, you know, people, you know, my kids were going to hear all these episodes if they wanted to ever dive into 300 episodes eventually, you know, but, you know, we're very open and I do feel like you share with, you can share with intention, you know, it, it does reduce the stigma. I think when you're just an open family of, look, we all have anxiety or OCD and each one of us has it in a different sort of way. And this is the way it shows up for me. And this is the way it shows up for you right now. And for me, I think like it's helped my, my kids feel empowered to call me on my stuff. Also to understand my quirky behavior. You know, why is mom like so consumed with me having my cup at the corner, you know, or why is she so worried about my hair not being brushed to the level that like she's, you know, a little bit more extreme. And so, and then I'm able to say when I'm having a hard time, like we just traveled to Washington, DC to memorialize my husband. And I was nervous about it. Cause I thought, oh my gosh, there's going to be a lot of memorials and I don't like to be in the spotlight. And I had to like, you know, a lot of ch- small talk with like big people, you know? And, and I said to them before we even went, this can be very triggering for my social anxiety, you know? And so I might be a little bit more stressed or, you know, I might be like a little bit more discombobulated and this is why. And so I think preempting like something when you know you're going to be stressed with your anxiety or OCD, like that can really help your kids too, to say, oh, okay, this is, you know, my mom is not going to be okay. Cause I think it's okay to, to be human with your kids and for them to know that sometimes you're not okay. And you know, a lot of parents want to like have this perfect front, you know, where like, I got it all together. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think that can do more harm than good. I love that you said that because I am thinking it's got me thinking and you know, I'm, we're open about everything other than that. And, and it's not that we're close to it. Cause we all, I mean, we all suffered to some degree, but about certain things. Yeah. I still have some shame there. And so I like what you said about, you know, being intentional and that kind of thing, because, you know, in some ways we are, uh, of course, but in some ways I do think we could, I could do a better job with that for sure. It's, it's the shame. I think you nailed it. I think it's still the fear of, well, I don't want anybody to think it's something else. Like I know what it is because, you know, that's what I do. But the average person who doesn't do this, what would they think, you know? And so, yeah, there still is some of that even after all these years. So yeah, you bring up a good, you know, and you know, it could depend on your themes, your intrusive thoughts. You know, I think for me, and maybe it's easier because it's anxiety, you know, so it's social anxiety or it's generalized anxiety. And so for the most part, there might be less stigma or like, I don't have that fear of someone's not going to understand this thought because it's anxiety. I think it's at this point, unfortunately, I think more well understood than OCD. And so 
that could be a component of it. And even when my daughter had a new theme that had more shame attached to it, and she's normally very vocal about letting me share all of her stories, that one, she was like, I don't want you to share that. And I don't want you to tell my brother and sister this theme. And we've been working on that because I want to foster openness. And I feel like if I, if I reinforce that this is something we need to whisper about, then I'm sending, I'm inadvertently sending her that message that yes, you should be private about this because people aren't going to get it, which they may not. And they probably, they absolutely won't with this particular theme, but we're not there yet. You know, she doesn't want me to share it with her brother or sister. And even this morning we're driving to school and my 10 year old is like anxious. I was telling you this before we started recording this episode, she's anxious in the car and and he, and I, he, I could hear her talking to her. And this is because we're so open about it. He said, well, what's your, what's your OCD saying to you? And she's like, I'm not going to tell you. I'm just nervous. And he's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Like, I'm not doing this with you. And he's like, well, you just have to sit with your discomfort. She goes, mom, you know, <laughs> I love it. I love it. She's so upset that she would not let him know. And, and partly it's because her intrusive thought is going to impact them and the judgments on but- them possibly. And so but it's hard. It's a hard one, even, even for a professional, right? Even for yeah. somebody like that, it's such a hard one because I think, you know, you care about your kids, you want to protect them. And, you know, unfortunately there are people who don't understand. And how do you, how do you do that? How do you do that in a way that's, yeah, it's, it's hard, but I, I love what you said though. You're right about fostering that shame in that the more we don't talk about it, it does build and build and build, you know, and and I know that from the work I specialized in trauma, you know, and if we want to speak out the unspeakable there. And and yet it's interesting that I haven't fully done that with the OCD. I think I've gotten way better. I mean, I've been sharing parts of my story and they do know some of it. Like I tell them the the things that I find funny, of course, I'll tell them those ones, <laughs> but the other ones I haven't. So it's interesting. Yeah. You know, it's our stories are, our stories are a teaching aspect, you know, because if we tell our stories and we tell our struggles, then our kids will be able to identify them in themselves possibly when they, if they evolve and, and they pop up for them. And so, but I, I do, I like in a, in, in a weird way, that you haven't, because I think it's good for, for listeners to hear that here we are, we're both professionals and we both do this. And yet we struggle with some of these things and even being open, even though you're on podcasts and you're letting, you know, you're destigmatizing OCD, but when it comes to our personal lives, it's still hard for us, which I think is very validating for the average parent to hear that and say, okay, well, they're struggling with all this and they're struggling how to help their kids and they're struggling with their own mental health issues. And they're professionals, you know, quote, unquote. Yeah. And it just brings that human element into it. I mean, I'll be, I'll be really honest. It probably took me at least 15 years before I told my husband my thoughts. Like he knew I had OCD, but I'm sure like many others, he thought, well, she's just, you know, obsessed with cleanliness because I did have a lot of contamination stuff, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was quite ill and, and yeah. And, and I just, I, I it's that what if, you know, and, and yeah, maybe, maybe a good exposure for me is to tell people some of that, but, but, but I think it's baby steps, you know, I'm getting better with that piece. It's taken many years, but yeah, I mean, I'm here, I'm talking about it. Right. Yeah. Which it's is a step. It's a huge step. It's a but huge I, step. Yeah, no, but I do think, I mean, I, I, I love to hear the way that you've done it because I do think that's very helpful. And, and, I definitely have my wheels turning about ways in which I could share a little bit more with them and that maybe that would actually help them. And again, I have shared some, but yeah. I do feel like it helps. You know, I do feel like it helps. I mean, and it hel- it actually helps me too. Like I said, they will call me on things and sometimes they're completely wrong, but I would say most of the time they're right. You know, and they'll say, mom, I'm going to wear this. Sit with your discomfort. Like this is, you know, <laughs> you don't control what I wear. And I'll be like, okay. But it's easier, you know, I think it's on some level easier because it's anxiety related and not these like possibly stigma related thoughts that people and shame isn't part of, it's not weaved into my issues. So it's definitely, I come from an easier place because it's more embarrassment. So, yeah, yeah, no, I think, I think everybody, you have to come to your own sort of best way. Right. And I think we do what we can with what we have in the moment, you know, and I think 
I think that's part of it for me. It's been such a long road that, that every, it's like stairs, right? You just keep climbing up them. And I think that's maybe the next part of my, my journey is to be a little more open. And, and I've definitely been, been doing that. So yeah, I think that's good. And I think that will help people. Yeah. It's a good, and it's a good way to end is, you know, wherever you are on the steps, you know, on the stairs of life in this journey, as long as you're moving, you know, we're all growing, we grow until we die, you know, and it's not just our kids on this journey. It's like, it's our journey as well. I think there's a human element, a human journey, and it's just movement. It's moving one small step at a time in a direction that works for everybody. So that's so deep. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. It was really fun talking to you. Thank you. I have enjoyed it. And I, I've actually, I'm walking away with some great, great things. Same double bonus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I told you it was a good one. I really, I could have talked to her forever. Like it was really, um, I had to look at the time and say, I need to wrap this up. You guys don't want to sit here and listen to this interview forever. Maybe you did, but I hope you found a lot of value in it. I hope that you're doing okay. If you're finding my podcasts valuable in and of, in and of itself, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher, wherever you consume your podcast. That really does help the podcast. If you have a few extra seconds and you want to leave a review, let other parents know the value that you're finding. People read reviews. And I know with me, I don't want to waste my time on a podcast that may, may, may or may not be good. And so I will look at reviews before I listen and so do other parents. And so it does help give a little spotlight to parents to say, look, this isn't going to waste your time. You might find some value here. You might get some good insight. It might be a game changer for your journey with your child's anxiety or OCD. So to show my gratitude, I always like to end my episodes reading one of them if there were new ones, and we have quite a few lined up to read. So I want to thank DDM for writing very helpful information. We have a child with anxiety and school refusal. This has been very illuminating for both my spouse and me. Thank you very much for taking the time to write that. I really appreciate it. And maybe if you write something, I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.